Okay, blessings to all of you in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm Bishop Carl Dixon. So glad to have every one of you on that joined us on Zoom, those who have joined us on Facebook, those who have joined us on the Shield of Faith Broadcasting Network, and whatever mode of, of, of media you've joined us, we thank you so much for being uh, taking part in this workshop with us today. Today, we're going to be talking about insurance. This is the second part of the uh, financial literacy workshop that we started. Uh, last week, and we're going to go on through the month of April 2021. I pray that you are blessed because last week, everybody who I spoke to, everybody who tuned in on Facebook, they were blessed of the Lord. Some of you have questions. Please, if you're on Facebook, post those questions up. I will be monitoring. Somebody else will be monitoring, and we'll be getting those questions back to our presenters. Tonight, we have um, this evening on this month, we have with us our presenters, uh, Pastor Addison uh, C. Hardy, CPA. Uh, he is a certified public accountant uh, who has balanced uh, his professional career with dedication to the Lord, his family, and his community. Uh, uh, Pastor Hardy is a member of the uh, American Institute of Financial Public Accountants, uh, AICPA, uh, and the New Jersey Society of Certified Public Accountants. Uh, also, we have uh, our Elder Kenny Bryant, uh, uh, who has been educated, uh, educating the body of Christ about money, about money uh, for over 15 years. He is committed to teaching biblical principles and financial literacy to help Christians obtain victory in their finances because he loves God, God's people, and we know that we all need money. And so tonight, I'm not going to go through the full um, biography of who they are. We're going to be talking about finding, for, about insurance tonight, uh, about insurance. And, and um, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I got a question for them for later on. I'm not going to kick it off now because they got their own way that they're going to introduce some things. And, um, but I like to thank each and every one of you for joining us. And I thank uh, Pastor uh, Addison Hardy and, and Elder Kenny Bryant for joining us. So good to have you both with us this evening. Good to be here. Good yes, to be so here. So good to have you here with us this evening. We're talking about insurance tonight. I, yes. I need it. We all need it. That's right. Yes. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. One of the biggest uh, hiccups um, that I think people have in the uh, <clears throat> in America, as a matter of fact, um, just either not purchasing enough or not uh, having any at all, or depending on what the job offers alone. And uh, we're going to dive in. I'm going to pull up a little presentation, but I'm so glad to be working with my my, my brother. I love him dearly. Um, smart as a whip. And the uh, only thing I don't like about him is he's a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, <laughs> other, other than that, other than that, other than that, he, he is he is gold and Pastor Hardy is, is, is my man, and he is just a, a humble spirit and knows us and knows so much. So I'm happy to team with him. We're going to have a structure tonight where I'm, I'm going to bring up a PowerPoint, and then we're just going to both go from this PowerPoint, and um, let me just pull it up and then share my screen here. And let me see here. And then we're going to have some fun, learn some things, and hopefully get educated. So, you know, Bishop Carl, I, I, was, I was thinking about something the other day. And I remember last, last week, I spoke about Bishop Everett <clears throat> and how he asked me to get a life insurance license. And uh, But I remember, you know, the Lord brought something back to my spirit uh, today. And I remember the second time I ever set foot and Jesus is coming, you were the pastor. You were the speaker of the night. And you said, you, you called me up and you said, forget the former things. God has got a new thing for you. And you said, you're going to teach. God said, you're going to teach my people about money, but from a biblical perspective. Mm, and, I, and I had actually forgot all about that. Wow. And and the Lord the Lord brought that back to me today, and uh, I just want to see. I want I, I say that to you, yeah. to just encourage you and just let you know that you didn't miss, right. you didn't miss. Right. I hadn't even given my heart to the Lord yet, hmm. 
That was my second time. I was looking for a church at that particular time. Right. Did not know where I was going to settle. Wow. And uh, the Lord just uh, used you. And then here we are. Here we are. Amen. Thank God. Amen. So everyone, this is, this is session number two. Okay. Uh, with myself, my name is Elder Kenny Bryant. I am a fiduciary uh, financial advisor. And we have my partner, uh, Pastor uh, Addison Hardy, who is a CPA. Okay, so you need help with taxes and a lot of other financial uh, things. Elder Pastor Hardy is uh, a wealth of information. Okay, so I'm going to dive in. But and, and before I start talking about life insurance, I just want to give a couple of statistics here. So this is all about buying the right kind of life insurance tonight. This is what this session is. Um, last week, we had a great session. I believe that was recorded. We touched on budgeting. We touched on... Um, you know, creating self, and we're going to do the same thing tonight, but we're going to do it with life insurance. So before I do, I want everybody to understand something. If you are African-American right now, we have a threat. There is a threat to our well-being. Black Enterprise did ran an article uh, July of 2019, and they said our net wealth could fall to zero by 2053, if we don't make some changes, okay? So this is serious. And one of the reasons why we are in trouble is because we are lacking in life insurance, okay? Right now, when you look at median household wealth, and this is Edward, the source is Edward Wolf, uh, household wealth trends in the United States, Without durable goods, without cars, furniture, jewelry, our net wealth right now as a people is only $1,700. When you add that stuff in, we're only at 11000 So we're bringing up the rear. Latinos, $2,000 with durable, without durable goods, $14,000 without. And, but our Caucasian counterparts, 116,000 without durable goods and 134,000 with durable goods. So if you look at this chart, one of the first things you'll see is that our Caucasian brothers and sisters, most of their wealth is actually liquid. It's money, it's cash. Whereas most of African-Americans and Latinos wealth is what? Things, things, okay? So, and one of the reasons why that is, is because we don't buy life insurance. So let's let's dive into this conversation for tonight. Here are the facts of what happens to every 100 people at age 65, okay? 54% of them are actually dependent on the government. So every 100 people, that reaches age 65, 54 of them are dependent on the government. Another 36 of them are still working. So that's 90% of Americans that are broke at age 65. Then you have five people that are gone. They've gone home to be with the Lord. 4% of people have at least a, a, a net wealth of a, a million dollars. And we only have 1% of the population that has wealth of uh, 5 million or more. Now, one of the reasons why this is a factor, there's many factors, but just one is because we're not leaving insurance benefits for the next generation. And last week we talked about each generation should lift off from where the prior generation left off. And that's what life insurance helps you do. So when you think about it, Aren't you tired of this? I know I'm tired of us having to do funeral car washes for, for funeral donations when somebody, when somebody gets killed unexpected. Or, you know, we're taking up collections. You know, or we're doing GoFundMes for people passing away. And this is not God's will. First Timothy 5 and 8 says, whoever does not provide for their own and especially for their household 
the Bible says they have denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. That's a deep scripture. You have denied the faith and you are worse than an unbeliever. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to stand in front of an almighty God having left my family high and dry and I get to heaven and the Lord tells me I've denied the faith and I'm worse than an unbeliever. I, I, that's scary to me and I hope it scares you as well. So if you drive a nice car, which a lot of us do, let's say the car is going to be thirty dollars to $40,000, you insure that car. If you live in a nice house, let's say, I don't know, three hundred to $500,000, you insure it. But if you only make $25,000 a year, $25,000 a year times 40 years from 25 to 65 equals a million dollars. But many of us don't have any life insurance. Okay. Now, now, Elder Brian, when you make reference to the car, the worth of the car, the worth of a home, if that car or if there is a note, a car note on that car, if there's a mortgage on their home, somebody is requiring them to have insurance. But let's say Addison Hardy may not have, an, have, a, have a hook on me saying, you have to go get life insurance. So I see a dichotomy there. That, that is, you're absolutely right. And we have to, re, we have to put that on ourselves yeah. because what I, what I feel about life insurance, it is really your last love letter to your family. That's really what it is. It's the last love letter you ever send to your family, either making sure they are good or leaving them to fend on their own. Mm. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. And just because the law makes us do something, we have to do those things. We do have to drive with car insurance. And, and you know what? And what's so ironic about this is why does the law make us have car insurance? Just in case we hit somebody else. Yeah. It's for us, but it's for, I was recently smacked in the back on Christmas Eve. And, uh, you know, and I got hurt pretty bad from that accident. All right. And, the, you know, thank God the other gentleman had life insurance. I mean, had car insurance who hit me. So it was for his protection and it was for the other motorists that are on the road, their protection. Same thing with uh, how homeowners insurance is for the homeowners protection but it's also for the individual that might slip and fall on your property. Right. And so, so, so would life. you say that, that, that the benefit of me having life insurance, once I pass away, I'm gone, but there's going to be a benefit for my family or the people who I'm leaving behind. Absolutely. That, that is precisely what it's for. And a lot of people, they don't understand that. So they think that life insurance is to put people in the ground. And I'm going to go over the purpose, but they think it's for putting people in the ground. But there's so many ways to use life insurance. Um, you know, uh, even businesses, you know, you have things like key man insurance. I, I do a lot of key man insurance on pastors because pastors, you know, basically are the key man of their congregations. And if something happens to the pastor, a lot of times the church scatters and different things happen. People stop giving. So a lot of times we put insurance on pastors as a key man policy, just in case something happens to the pastor, the church can continue to go on. Mm -hmm. Or partners in business, okay? Or if you have a, a business owner and you got a key employee, or um, there's something called buy-sell agreements. Mm -hmm. Where if, if you and I are partners in business, uh, 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 Pastor Hardy, and, you know, I don't like your wife and you don't like my wife. And if something happens to either one of us, I don't want to be partners with your wife. You don't want to be partners with my wife. Then we buy what's called a buy-sell agreement. So 
if something happens, we put insurance on each one of us. And if something happens to either one of us, the, the other partner takes the business and the wives take the money. Right. Okay. So that preserves uh, uh, businesses, even, 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 uh, even to create legacy. Think about this. Think about this. I have three sons and let's say I have $3 million of life insurance on my uh, self. Okay. And something, if something happens to me, it would make sense that I might leave each one of my sons a million dollars of life insurance. But what if I took that life insurance, that $3 million, and I put it in my estate? If I put it in my estate, any institution will give me 5% of $3 million. And 5% of $3 million on $3 million, 5% of $3 million is $150,000 a year in interest income without what? Using up the $3 million. So each one of my sons would get $50,000 a year and I would never run out of the money. Now, uh, that money would never deplete because they're taking a small share of it. Now, they would want that $50,000 a year. So what would I would make them do? I said, you got to let my estate pay for $5 million on each other you. And then we just do the same thing all over again. And then when they pass away, not only do we have the 3 million from my estate, but we also have the 5 million from their estate. So $8 million, $8 million that their children would receive a percentage of that. So 5% of $8 million is what? Uh, four, uh, 40, what? Four, 10% would be, uh, 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 it's, it's $400,000. So, yeah. $400, so yeah. if you got four kids, they each get a hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, this is what wealthy people do they use life insurance to set up uh, uh, estates that pay their families forever. And we can do that, we can do that too. Just one person has to pay the price for their family. So when you look at the purpose of life insurance, why do we need life insurance? Why? It's not just for putting somebody in the grave, uh, paying off their debts. All of those things are right. But the real purpose of life insurance is to provide an income, to protect the income of the breadwinner. So if you look at this slide, I have a husband who makes $3,500 a month. I have a wife who also makes 3,500 a month. So they have $7,000 in income. And down here, they have $7,000 in monthly bills. Now, right now, everything is great because they have enough income to meet their expenses. But what if one day he goes to work and he gets killed by a drunk driver? Now, I'm just gonna sidebar real quick. For those of you who don't know the Lord as your personal savior, when Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to be just that quick. Lord, I'm sorry. Oh, too late. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Oh, too late. In a, in a moment of a twinkling of a, Lord, forgive me. Too late. And I just want you to know, if you don't know the Lord as your personal savior, everything we're talking about tonight is important. But the greatest decision you can make is by is 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 accept the gift of salvation because that's your life insurance for eternity. That's right. Excellent. Your life Excellent. insurance for eternity. Okay. Okay. Sidebar over. You can see Pastor Carl Dixon, and he'll tell you how to make that decision. Okay. Um, back to life insurance now. So this gentleman goes to work, and he gets killed by a drunk driver. Now there is no way that his wife can pay $7,000 in bills with only $3,500 in income. So now on top of being financially destroyed, they're, um, they're already emotionally destroyed. Now they're financially destroyed. This little girl may not go to college now. This wife, she may, she may lose this mortgage. She may lose the cars. Something's going to give. And you know what's really critical, and I talk to the men right now, when you leave your wife like this and your children like this, then now somebody that she never would have given a shot, 
she would have never even looked at twice, now becomes that much more attractive because now she needs security. She doesn't have enough money. Mm. And, and, our, and the Lord says we are responsible. That's why a father gives his daughter away. He gives the responsibility of taking care of that daughter. That responsibility passes from the father to the new husband. And I call it the five P's of manhood. We have to provide. We have to protect. And not just physically, spiritually, mentally. We have to pray with. We have to play with. Provide, protect, pray, play, and prepare our families for what God has for them. Five P's of manhood. So now this woman is in trouble. And this is, but I'll, let's give this guy a second chance. And let's say he comes and sees me now and he buys a $500,000 life insurance policy. And then he goes to work and he still gets killed. Now, if I bring his wife a check for $500,000 and she starts picking off that $500,000 check, if she takes $40,000 a year, she's going to run out of money in eight years. But what if we took this $500,000 and last week, I showed everybody investments that have averaged 12% since 1934. But let's say we only average 8%. 8% of $500,000 is $40,000 in interest income every single year. Now, she wouldn't even be touching the 500 grand because she would be living off the interest. And now I know the market is up, the market is down. On the years, the market is up. She can take a little bit more. On years, the market is down. She'll have to take a little bit less. But we have a structure in place that replaces in his income so his family doesn't suffer. And this is the purpose of life insurance, to replace the income of the breadwinner. If you are a wife or a woman, with a single uh, household, you are the head, it's you and your children, okay? Then you need enough life insurance to replace your income. God forbid something happens uh, uh, to you, okay? Your children are gonna miss your income, okay? Pastor Hardy, any thoughts? No, this it, it, it's excellent. And I think it's important that we look at the, look forward because a lot of times when we're younger, we're not thinking in terms of our mortality. It goes back to our conversations last week in terms of the budgeting. We are thinking for the here and now, and uh, we may spend to a point where we're not looking for something bigger and better, or with, we're buying for, the, for what's here right now. The, the thing is for many of us with life insurance, it's not something I can touch, feel, taste at the moment. And then it kicks in when I'm gone. So it goes back to the point where we as men, we as the breadwinners, we as the providers have to think this isn't all just about me, but I want to do what's right for my family for the rest. Amen. Excellent. One, one, of, my, one of the things, um, scriptures that I... I remember first when I, a hey bishop, first when I heard this scripture, when I read this scripture, I got a little angry at God, you know, when I, but, but I, I have since adopted it and internalized it. But the Bible says, honor your wife so your prayers won't be hindered. Hmm. Okay. And this is one way not only can you honor your wife, but also honor your family. And I just don't understand why would you want to leave your family? the struggle. I don't understand that. And we need to correct that. Now let's go over the two types of life insurance to two basic types. Now there are two basic types of life insurance. One is called cash value life insurance. And that consists of uh, plans like whole life, uh, universal life, variable life. So any kind of life insurance that has insurance and a savings vehicle jumbled up together. So in this particular example, I got a husband that's 35 years old. 
I got a wife who's 33. They have $150,000 worth of insurance and they're paying $298 a month. Now, with this premium, part of it goes to cover the insurance. And then you part of it goes to build up cash value in the policy. Now, I'll be honest, I am not a big fan of this type of policy for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's more expensive. And most people cannot afford to pay $298 a month for insurance. But there's a couple of other things that are really important. The next reason is that this cash value, notice that it call, is called cash value and not cash. And that's not a play on words. It's going to take anywhere from three to five years before you build up any cash value in the policies, okay? So for three to five years, you're paying, you're paying, you're paying, and all that money is being ate up in fees and in commissions to the agent, okay? Number two, if you need some of this cash value, let's say you needed $10,000 out of this 52, you have to borrow your own money from the insurance company and you got to pay them six to 8% interest on money that's supposed to be yours. And that just really makes no sense to have to borrow what's supposed to be yours. And many people think it's like borrowing from your 401k, but it's not. Because when you borrow from your 401k, you pay yourself back that interest. But when you borrow from a life insurance policy, you are paying the insurance company interest to get your own money, okay? And the third reason is that most of these policies are gonna keep your cash value when you pass. So let's say the husband passes away. His wife would get the 150,000, but on most cases, this $52,000 is gonna go back to the insurance company. And so what does that do? It reduces the financial obligation of the insurance company from 150 plus 52 or 202 to 98. Because if they're paying the wife 150, but they're keeping the 52 out of their pocket, they only are coming out of their pocket $98,000. And this is one reason why these policies are rampant because insurance agents make a higher commission for selling it, but there really is very little to any benefit for the purchaser. Now, a, a most more practical and economical way to go is to buy a term policy. And the reason why is because term is much cheaper. If you look at this example, I have 300,000 on the same couple, I gave them a 35-year level term, and I have $25,000 on the children. And the premium now is only $123 a month. So I doubled the coverage for less than half the premium. And now that leaves $175 left over for those of you who were with us last week that could be invested in that Roth IRA that we talked about. And if we take that money and invest it in a Roth IRA, that money grows to 517,000. So, and then if the husband passes now, the wife gets the insurance money and she gets what? The investment money. If she needs money during, uh, during her life, she can just withdraw it from the investment and it has no impact on the insurance. So what we teach is to keep the insurance and the investments separate. Why? Because you control both, okay? And I'm gonna show you a real life client. Now, this is all theory, but I'm gonna show you something in real life. So A stands for awful and B stands for better, <laughs> okay? Now, this is a real life client, okay? I met a while ago. Now, this is he was 36 years old. And he had a million five worth of life insurance, okay? He had universal life. And look at the premium. He was paying $750 a month. 
If you look at the death benefit option here, it's option A. And option A or option one means that if something happens, the insurance company is going to keep the cash value. I've been in business for almost 20 years and I've seen option B or option two only maybe three times out of all the thousands of policies that I've looked at over my career. So look at the premium, $9,000 a year that he's paying for this premium. Now, look at the next slide. This is his cash value. Paying $9,000 a year, year one, zero cash value. Year two, zero cash value. Year three, zero cash value. Year four, zero cash value. So after paying this $9,000 a year for five years, he had a grand total of $464 of cash value. Now, if you look down here, you see the interest rate that he's getting is only 3%. So those of you who were with us last week, remember the rule of 72, 72 divided by three means his money in this policy is gonna double every 24 years. Now there's some other horrible things about this policy too, but I don't have time to go into them right now, but I wanna show you what I did. I gave him the same million five and I gave it same the same million five and I gave him a 30 year term and the premium was only $173 a month. So I saved him $576 a month. And what, and what, type, went, what, type, of, so what then, type of policy did you put him into? Term? Put him in a 30 year term policy. Okay. Uh, thank you, Pastor Hardy for clarifying. 30 year term. And then I took the $576 that I saved them and I just invested it for him in an IRA. And as long as he keeps putting the money in there over the next 29 years, he'll grow that to $964,000, just at 9%. And I showed us more than, I showed us uh, investments that did much better than 9% last week. So this is why we go turn, cause you're gonna get more on both sides of the fence. And it's not just me saying this. Um, or you got, this is the United States uh, Senate, okay? Uh, and and, and uh, the, the Congress and uh, uh, the Life Insurance Committee on, on the Judiciary of the United States. This is not, it says Congress should pass a law making cash value insurance illegal because it's hurting people. It's been hurting people. The F, the Federal Trade Commission. I mean, this is going back. This is this is going back a while, but it's still the case today. It says consumers are losing billions yearly by ill-informed and inappropriate life insurance choices. Savings elements on whole life policies yielding one to two percent on average. Normally, somewhere between one to two, one to three percent typically that they get in the cash value. Uh, I'm going to stop there. Pastor Hardy, thoughts, your comments. Let's give you a chance to get in there. Did I lose him? He muted himself. Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I like to throw out there too, is that the only place that God tells us in the Bible to test him is in our giving, is in our giving. That's the only, only place he tells us in the Bible to test him is, is with our giving. So how about using life insurance to bless the kingdom? I mean, and uh, the church has got to go on after we die. How about taking a little bit of your money and purchasing a life insurance policy and leaving the church as a beneficiary? People do that all the time. They do it all the time. Um, and I mean, you think God will honor that? I think he will. Look at this. Let's say you, and this is a quick example. Let's say you took out a policy and let's say that the premium was $100 a month and you had a 20 year term. So you paid that $1,200 a year for 20 years. That's $24,000 into the policy. And let's say you don't die 
in the first 20 years. So you have to renew the term. So you renew the term and this now when you renew it, it's $200 a year. So that's, I mean, a month. So 2,400 a year and you pay that and you pay that for another 20 years. So that's another 48,000 into the policy. So altogether over a 40 year period, you put $72,000 in the policy. Now, and then you pass away at age 80. At this, in this particular example, the church or your family would receive a whopping $800,000 upon your death. $72,000 in, $800,000 out. I think that's a pretty good, what? Return. We just don't see it. It's just the people that we leave or the entity that we leave behind. I have a set, a part of my life insurance is going to go to the church. And not only that, I have sat my sons down, all three of them. And I said, look, don't expect me to leave you a bunch of money that the Lord has blessed me with in order to, for you to use it any way you want to use it if you're not serving the Lord. But I have sat each one of them. I said, "You, I want you to benefit from my death and I'm gonna give you something, but I'm gonna take out a policy on myself and I want you meet me halfway. I'm gonna pay half of it. You pay half of it. And then when I pass, that'll be for you. And you can live whatever way you want to, okay? Because you put into that. And that's what I did with my sons because I want them to benefit, but I'm not going to take what the Lord blessed me with and just allow them to, you know, if they're not living for the Lord. So I got three nevers of, of life insurance. And I know Pastor Hardy has got some uh, inter interesting things for this right here. So my three nevers, and then Pastor Hardy's going to add a couple to this. Number one, never buy any kind of life cash value or whole life insurance, including universal life. It is a colossal ripoff. Number two, never buy insurance as an investment. Number Why? Because it doesn't qualify as an investment. How do you know that something is an investment? Great question. If it qualifies to go into an IRA, life insurance cannot be put in an IRA because it is not considered an investment, okay? And number three, never buy a life insurance policy that pays dividends. Dividends in life insurance are not the same as dividends in an investment. The first definition they teach us in life insurance school is that a dividend in life insurance is an overpayment of premium being returned back to the policy owner. Pastor Hardy, you're muted. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. To add to what you're saying, let me ask you a question. Is another mistake or something that we can do wrong is, could it be that we don't get the right amount of insurance? Absolutely. Uh, there is a formula for purchasing life insurance. That formula is something called DIME. The D stands for how much debt you have. The I stands for how much income would need to be replaced if God forbid something were to happen to you. The M stands for your mortgage and the E stands for college education for the, your children. Okay. A, a quick method is just 10 times your salary. If okay. you make $500,000 a year, then I mean, if you make $50,000 a year, you should have $500,000 worth of life insurance. Okay. And really- one of the things that I want to add is that you don't need life insurance for your whole life. Think about it. You need life insurance when you don't have a lot of money. Because if God forbid something were to happen to you, your family would be high and dry. But as your savings come up, your life insurance needs actually go down. Hmm. Because when you have, if you have $500,000 sitting in a Roth IRA or a mutual fund and something happens to you, 
your family can take the $500,000 and live off that. So it doesn't make sense to pour thousands and thousands of dollars into life insurance when you could be pouring it into an IRA that you can use yourself and still live in, in, in uh, let your family still have something to live off as well. Excellent, excellent. And then is it possible that we can get a term life insurance policy, but have it over a term that's too short? Absolutely, okay. Um, I believe that you need to look at how long your income is going to be need to be replaced. If you buy, and, I, and there's two sides to this coin. The shorter the term, the cheaper the price. So mm-hmm. I would rather somebody, if they need, let's say they need a 30-year term, they just got a 30-year mortgage. Um, they are, I don't know, 25 years old. They're going to have some children in the next two years. You know, then yeah, you need a longer term, but I would rather them buy a 10-year term then have no insurance at all because I would rather them be covered and that 10 years will buy them time to get themselves together, get out of debt, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And then, you know, before they need to renew that policy. Okay. Last, last week we talked about uh, our credit and credit cards and all other type of debt. And one of the issues that has happened with a lot of people who have financial issues is that they don't pay the bills on time. What problems can take place if a person doesn't pay their life insurance premiums on time? All right, so everybody has like a 30-day grace period, but after that 30-day grace period, if you don't pay your premium, then your policy could lapse. Hmm. And this is one of the biggest things that I see. I write a lot of life insurance. And and a lot of times it's not even because people can't pay. It's just because they change bank accounts. Yeah. Okay. They change bank accounts. And, um, you know, I had a a friend of mine who was a really good athlete and um, this happened to him. He was playing basketball uh, down at JFK, had a heart attack on the court and passed. And before that happened, he had changed his bank account and, you know, he called me up, told me he changed his bank account. But I tried to catch catch up. We kept missing one another. And then he passed away. His family, his family got financially destroyed. And wow. you know, I've seen it over and over again. Um, an, you know, another mistake that people make is having life insurance on a job. Look, I had a client down in uh Atlantic City who was a nurse, and she had insurance on the job, and she had insurance with me. She got breast cancer. And when she got breast cancer, she couldn't work full time. She went down to per diem. When she went down to per diem, her benefits totally changed. Yeah. Okay. And if she didn't, I, I delivered a check for her when she passed. I delivered a check to her family for 275000 And that preserved them. That saved them. Because the, the life insurance on the job was only like uh, $30,000. Uh, I'll give you one other story. Uh, a, a client in Philly. Uh, was a manager for McDonald's, okay? Um, A truck comes and crashes through the McDonald's, kills her and two other employees. And (laughs) McDonald's says she was in her 30-day grace period, you know? So all I'm saying, so they didn't pay the the, the, uh, life insurance. Right, okay? So it's a mistake to put your family's life in the hands of a job. Jobs are going to take care of themselves. Yeah, Companies yeah. take care of themselves. You, we have to do the same thing and take care of our families. Would you suggest that if we have a premium that we have to pay on a monthly basis, and it goes back to the budgeting piece that we talked about last week, that amount is going to be fixed, whether it's, it's on a monthly basis, semi-annual or annual basis. Would you advise that the person set up an automatic, set it up as an automatic payment through their bank and just let it automatically get paid so that they don't have to think about it. I think that that is the best way, um, either that way, or if you can afford to pay it annually, mm-hmm. then just pay it once a year annually. Um, I don't like quarterly because it sneaks up on people. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I'm not you know, sometimes uh, semi-annually too. So either set it up on automatic and just pay it monthly, or if you have the funds, the resources, 
than just pay it annually uh, because the, the less you pay it, the cheaper it is. Right. And in a, in a lot of cases with uh, insurance companies, they now have the facility of giving you the option of having it automatically withdrawn. They set it up through your bank account once you give them permission so that they are getting the funds uh, on a pay, on a on a automatic payment schedule. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've just seen I've seen that I had um, uh, one of my colleagues had a client. Unfortunately, this gentleman committed suicide, wow. and he thought that he had canceled the policy. Now. On the policies, we have something called an IBR, an increasing benefit rider. What that is, it's an inflation fighter. So every year, okay, the client has an opportunity to have the policy go up 5% or 10% a year. So it keeps up with inflation because $100,000 is not going to have the same purchasing power 10 years from now that it has today. So what he did was he canceled the IBR. And when he committed suicide, the policy was still in effect, thank God. And my colleague was able to bring a million dollar death benefit to that particular family. And it, you know, it was drastically needed, of course. Before you move on, you bring up suicide. Talk to us about the implications if somebody in our family has a, a policy, that person commits suicide. What are the implications? So in the first two years, there's something called a contestability period. Mm -hmm. A contestability period means that if you commit suicide, the insurance company will return the premiums, but they will not pay the death benefit. Okay. After two years, you know, they, they really can't, they can't contest the, the uh, policy. Um, so um, they, the, the company would have to pay the claim. I see. Okay. Excellent. Right. Excellent. Great, great questions. Thank you for your input. Um, I want to wrap up with a couple of uh, slides that I think are very important. Right now, there is a huge need for a second source of income with mm -hmm. most people, a gigantic need. Okay. And one of the things that these are some statistics that are happening right now. Um, Forbes says 78% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, CNB says 53% of people are just anxious when they just think about their personal finances. And one in three workers had their pay cut during the pandemic. And we know over 10 million people are unemployed. So what am I saying? If this pricks you, if this information is pricking you, okay, uh, financial services is a great opportunity to get in, okay? And I am looking for people that might want to work in the financial services arena. Um, listen, it's the wealthiest industry in the world. It's essential, always going to be essential, but really important. What's really important is there's a lack of licensed financial professionals. Right now in the United States, we have 1.2 million attorneys. We got 1.4 million real estate agents. We have 826,000 doctors, but we only have 285,000 financial professionals right now. And of that 285,000, 41% of them are age 58 or older. So over the next five years, many of them are going to retire. This is a very lucrative field. God has blessed me. I don't know. The only people that I know that make the kind of money that God has blessed me to make are people that work in the financial field. And it is out there for people to what? Take advantage of. So if that is something, if this pricks you, you can work part-time. I started in this, in this field part-time. I was a school teacher and 
I taught in the city of Newark for 23 years. I started financials, my financial services uh, uh, business part-time. And before long, I was making more money part-time than I was making full-time as a teacher. So I made a decision and I quit. Okay. And we are looking for people. So if this pricks you, reach out to Pastor Dixon. Reach out. Let me know. Get in touch with me. I will pay for your licenses. I will mentor you because we need more people that look like us so we can service us, okay, the way we need to be serviced. God bless you. Amen. Bishop Dixon? I'm going to stop my share. Wow. I mean, it's it's awesome um, presentation. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just looking at the clock. I'm like, wow. But it, it seemed like it was just 10 minutes in there. I haven't, you know, and I'm like still there, but time has moved. I mean, just, just some awesome things that you talked about. I'm, I'm watching Facebook. I sent out two um, uh, notices to people on Facebook. To please send me their questions. Those are on uh, Zoom. If you have some questions, please uh, put them in the chat box right there. A uh, little chat. There's nothing on there yet. Um, but I had a question. Um, Elder Kenny Bryant, you came to our church, you know, you came to our home years ago. Kids were small. And you you sat down with us, explained everything with us. Um, and I didn't take advantage of that information. I didn't take advantage of it. And I, I'm saying that I'm being transparent right now because there's many of you out there, you say, well, I got a lot of time. You don't have a lot of time. Don't have a lot of time because time is moving. And before you know it, I got grandkids. We didn't have, our kids were, you know, were small. They were like uh, in the third grade, maybe first, second, third grade. Now they, they're grown. Uh, one of them had, you know, his own kids. So I'm a grandfather. Where did time go? So in that process, uh, I have insurance. And some of uh, the insurance guy called me just recently because um, after, uh, I think it was after 10 years, they give me an opportunity to, um, to renew it. Well, I'm over 60 right now to renew. It means that you got to find out what kind of blood pressure meds I'm on, what kind of physical condition I'm in. And right now my premium would go up three times, probably, um, what it was back then. So. He mentioned to me, he says, look, to keep it right where it's at, why don't you, and I can't remember the, uh, the, the term he used because he asked me to call him back and I said, wow, that sounds interesting. He said, why don't you lock it in? And I thought he said, convert it. Not convert it to an IRA, but lock it in so it stays, your premium stays that as it is, uh, your, your monthly payment stays as it is for your life. And once you die, it'll stay right there. So um, my question to you is that, um, is that something I, you know, that you would advise me to do at this point of my age, as opposed to trying to, uh, um, trying to create a new policy, you know, um, to try to get more money out of, out of that policy or just keep it as is, lock it in and maybe get another policy on the side? Well, what he's, what he's, telling you to do is convert to what I just got through saying that I don't like, which would be converting to a cash value policy. So there's a couple of things that we should probably have a conversation about. Number one, what is your insurance need right now? Your insurance need may not be as high as what it was before. I'm pretty sure you have some assets now and you know and things of that nature. So you may not need as much coverage. So you may be able to renew but renew at less insurance because your family doesn't need the same amount of coverage that they needed back then. Maybe your house is almost paid for, um, et cetera, et cetera. So um, let, I would explore all options. I'm going to call you tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we can, we can explore, we can explore the options and uh, look at what it would be because I'm not a big fan of conversion. You would be converting to a cash value policy and I just, before you do that, I would want to, you know, look at all the details before I told you to do that. Yeah. I want to acknowledge a friend of mine. Um, I got Teron Tidwell 
on, and he is also a financial advisor and uh, just a humble, humble guy. He and I met years ago. Uh, actually, Pastor Hardy, uh, me and uh, your wife and I were invited to do a, uh, a radio program years ago. Um, and at a, on a radio station, I forget the radio station, but Tehran was also there. And um, he and I, we just, even though we work for different firms, we are just really close and, you know, and we just learn from one another. We learn from one another. So I, I see him on and I just wanted to acknowledge him. Uh, really smart as I don't know what and uh, a financial financial guru in his own right. Let, let, me, let me follow up with one of the points that our Pastor Dixon is making. One of the other mistakes that, from what I understand, and you can elaborate on, is that people don't shop around for different insurance. And the, 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 the person, the insurer, is saying, okay, let's convert or whatever. And maybe because out of convenience or the same price, I may say, okay, you know, I don't have to change anything. Let me let it ride. But there may be other options that I need to look into. And sometimes we may not take advantage of them. Right, right. You know, right. everything everything comes back to scripture. Uh, the Bible says on the account of two or three witnesses. So I think that you should what? Look at, you know, look at two to three people. Even when you're making the decision to go with somebody, you know, talk to a few people. Who do you feel comfortable with? Who, who does your spirit, uh, 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 you know, really resonate with? And, uh, you know, look at, look at, you know, not only just the insurance, look at the features. Because just like you can buy a car, you can buy a stripped car hmm. or you can buy an equal car, okay? And every car is not the same, just like every policy is not the same. And it's really important that you really compare apples to apples. I'll give you, I'll give you a, 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 an ex, a example. When the towers, when the twin towers came down, Bush came to New York and said that was an act of war. When he said that was an act of war, many insurance policies had what's called a terror exclusion, a war mm. or terror exclusion mm -hmm. in those policies. And when he said that, that excluded them and they wow. didn't have to pay the claim. Wow, wow. Many people did not get paid. Uh, many insurance companies were, where's the body? Couldn't find a the body, they didn't get paid, mm. okay? So it's really important to not just, you know what? It's easy. Let me get it done. No, you have to take your time and really understand what you're purchasing and find somebody. Like I said last week, it doesn't have to be me, but find somebody that you really trust. Find somebody that you know has your best interests at heart. Okay. Find somebody that is a fiduciary that's governed by law to do what's best for you and put your, their own, uh, uh, put your uh, needs above their own pocket before you make decisions. Let me, let me go to another point that, that Bishop Dixon made. He, he, he gets, he's older now. He still looks young, but he's older. And explain to us, uh, Elder, the term evidence of assurability. What does that mean? Okay. And how does that affect many of us? That is a great question. That's one of the best questions I've heard in a long time. Um, what we call is we call it insurable interest. So what that means is that stops me from going out and purchasing a policy on, I don't know, brother so-and-so and then paying Homicide McGriff to go put a bullet in his head so I can collect. I can't do that because there's no insurable interest. Um, my family would not suffer if something happened to brother so-and-so. So when you purchase insurance, there has to be some kind of connection. There has to be insurable interest. Your family or your family or you would have to suffer 
if uh, if if something happened to that individual that passed. Like if something happened to me, my family would miss my money. That is insurable interest. Okay, so a lot of times that that uh, streamlines who you, who can take insurance out on who. Okay, you can take insurance out on parents. You can take insurance out on uh, children. Um, but a lot of times we don't need a lot of insurance on children. Mm -hmm. it, most of the time with children, it's good to just put them on as a child rider. Why? Because children don't bring income into the house. Right. Which goes back to the original point that I made. The purpose of insurance is to replace the income of the breadwinner. Okay. And most children are not bringing in bread. Okay. They're eating it. Okay. So we want to make sure that the breadwinners have enough insurance on them. So God forbid if one of the breadwinners something happened to the children could continue to eat that bread. Okay. So insurable interest will stop uh, a sibling from taking insurance out on another sibling. A lot of uh, most insurance companies are not going to allow that. Now you could be the payor, you can pay for it, but you can't own it. Okay. What if you're the caretaker? And these are all, you get, well, if you're the caretaker, then, you know, there's, you know, there's a few differences if you have paperwork and th different things of that nature, right. but I can't just go take out a policy on my sister. Okay. Um, I could pay for a policy on my sister, right. but I can't be the owner of a policy on my sister. She would have to be the owner. I could be the beneficiary. I could be the payer, but I could not be the owner. Okay, well, I tell you, it was just great. You guys, I, I, it's just the information is just so, so great. Those of you on Facebook, please, if you're on Zoom, you can always go back to Facebook and listen to this uh, seminar again. Last week, seminar. Next week, the, um, the 21st of April, we're going to be back on again. Uh, I do have one other thing. I want to just do a plug-in. Um, Elder Kenny Bryant, you talked about those who want opportunities to... Uh, to get into this financial, this field right here. Uh, I'm going to put up on the screen his information. But before I do that, could you tell us a little bit more? What are my requirements? What do I need to do? You know, do I need a, a master's degree, a doctorate degree? The great thing about this, this field is that you don't have to have a degree in finance. You don't have to have a, uh, a, a, a all you have to have is a, a big heart, a good work ethic. So I, I, I call it, my bishop used to say faithful, available, and teachable. Yes. And I yes. adopted that. I need you to be faithful to learn, available so you can see what I do, so I can do a data transfer from what's up here into what's uh, into your head. And I just need you to be teachable, okay? Yes. And, and humble, have a desire to help people. If you don't have a degree in finance, I don't care. I'm looking at your heart, okay? I'm looking at your heart. Um, I'm looking at you know, the business that the God has allowed me to build. It was basically built on four principles. Number one, integrity. Number two, sincerity about people, making sure people are good to go. Uh, number three, professionalism. And number four, competence. And most people think that competence is number one. But if you're not integral, you're not even going to get a shot at people. If you're not sincere about their well-being, you're not even going to have an opportunity to sit down with them. Okay? And you got to be professional. And I'm going to teach you all of this, all the licenses, how to do a presentation, all that. And please, 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 don't try to compare yourself to me today. You got to compare yourself to me 19 years ago, okay? When I was first starting, okay? And I didn't, I didn't have it together the way I have it together today. Great, great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. On your screen, you have their information, Pastor Addison Hardy and uh, Elder Kenny Bryant. Uh, this is their contact information. Uh, please uh, take a screenshot. Uh, if you miss it by the time I, we close out this show, you can go back to Facebook and get this information. Contact them. Um, uh, Pastor Hardy, one of my members from my church says, I got to contact Pastor Hardy. I got to contact him. I got to get my taxes together. I got to do it. I said, I'll get you his information. So I think she's watching it now, and I pray that she have it. And if you don't have it, sister, my sister, give me a call. I'll text it to you or whatever, or you can go back to the screen and get it. 
thank you again so much, uh, Pastor Hardy and Elder Kenny Bryant, for, for being on with us. Your presentation was awesome. Next week, get ready. Fasten your seatbelts and get ready to come on into the program um, next Wednesday at 7.30. We welcome you back onto this program. Excellent information. And we thank you again, Pastor Hardy and uh, Elder Kenny Bryant. And may God continue to bless each and every one of you as you continue to endeavor to do the will and the purpose of God in your life, in Jesus' name. God be with you. Be blessed.